This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Monday afternoon, December 5th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Why it might be a good time to rebalance your investment portfolio as the year winds down. We'll cover that in our next segment. But first, the busy week ahead includes data on manufacturing, inflation, and consumer sentiment. Joining us now with a preview is Carl Ricadana, Chief U.S. Economist, BNP Paribas, based in New York. Carl, thanks for joining us today. Uh, let's take a look at uh, what could potentially be a big market mover at the end of the week, and that is the uh, November PPI data, the Producer Price Index. And what's the consensus uh, five days from now on that particular figure? Well, the consensus is uh, that uh, we're going to see more relief coming down the supply chain and through the uh, pipeline pressures uh, that are relevant to the goods sector. And that's where the PPI, the Producer Price Index, gives us the most information. So uh, that that's welcome news, absolutely, but that's not where the story is at the moment. Uh, the story is in the service sector uh, and in rents and categories like that, uh, especially if we look at uh, consumer prices ex- excluding rents and medical care. Um, that's kind of the wage price spiral sector of the economy where you might look for signs of a tight labor market continuing to drive inflation. Uh, We won't see that until we get the CPI data uh, the following week. But PPI in focus, absolutely. Also, inflation expectations on Friday uh, in that University of Michigan sentiment survey will be front and center as the Fed convenes for its final policy meeting of the year. And then uh, one other uh, thing that is driving inflation this year is the price of energy, although that has come down somewhat. uh, The European oil, the Russian oil price cap agreed to by European Union nations uh, in effect today. OPEC is meeting to kind of figure out what is going on after that. And that's kind of the big question today in the uh, in in the oil markets is what's Russia going to do about this new $60 apparel price cap? Absolutely. Uh, until we know what the Russian response is, then it's very hard to game out uh, the scenario. If Russia decided to curtail production uh, or, uh, or stop entirely for a certain period of time, uh, that could be extremely disruptive just as the cold months are increasing the demand for uh, fuels uh, from gasoline to natural gas. Um, that being said, uh, what we're watching in the U.S. at the moment is very much the opposite, uh, where gasoline prices have been falling and uh, continue to fall uh, in most states, providing some uh, at least temporarily uh, temporary uh, relief for uh, households. And let's talk about the thing that appears to be moving the markets today, and that is the uh, latest reading on the services sector coming in a little bit hot and uh, once again uh, ramping up those uh, interest rate worries. Uh, what did we learn this morning? 
What we learned this morning uh, is that the service sector seems to be behaving uh, in an exactly opposite uh, fashion uh, to what we saw from the manufacturing sector last week. The manufacturing showed its first signs of slipping into contraction. Uh, We've we've known the housing sector has been uh, taking it in the chin, uh, to be sure, uh, with home sales and home prices and construction starts and permits uh, all showing very steep declines. So the question was, when does this start to pervade more broadly through the economy, the, the tightening of monetary policy from the Fed, that is? Uh, And we've seen it now starting to creep into the factory sector. Uh, But what we see from the service side is that uh, there still is strength there. And that's why the good news from the service sector is not necessarily being taken as good news uh, by the stock market because it signals that uh, the Fed may have a little bit more work to do uh, than what we previously anticipated. That's a key theme going into next week's uh, FOMC meeting is, uh, you know, we thought that you know, perhaps earlier this year, we thought maybe the Fed could stop somewhere below 5% uh, in this interest rate tightening campaign. And now it looks like they'll have to go to at least 5%, if not a little bit further. Uh, my own team's view is uh, probably five and a quarter percent uh, will be the ultimate stopping point. Uh, but that's not it. It's not just a stopping point. It's the amount of time they hold rates at these restrictive levels. Uh, the market is coming to grasps uh, with the fact that they will be holding whatever that terminal rate is for a longer period of time. Carl Ricadana, Chief U.S. Economist, BNP Paribas, based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, what to know before rebalancing your investment portfolio. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The investors dream about buying low and selling high, but the purpose of a portfolio rebalance is to manage risk and not maximize returns. Joining us now with some key tips is Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's and Mark marketwatch.com based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. It seems like 2022 is a year that challenged conventional wisdom on many fronts. And one piece of that conventional wisdom is when stocks are bad, you go to bonds. When bonds are bad, you seek refuge in stocks. But this is a year in which uh, there was no refuge. And how does that really challenge one as they think about rebalancing their portfolio heading into 23? It's a great question, because as you mentioned in the intro, I think the way to conceive rebalancing is as a way of reducing risk. It's not a way of maximizing your return. For example, if you really wanted to maximize your return over the long term, you'd have everything in stocks because that is far that portfolio has far outperformed a stock bond portfolio. So I think one of the first things, the first steps towards wisdom is not to look at rebalancing as a way of increasing your return, but rather as a way of making sure your portfolio's risk level doesn't get too far out of balance. And what are some things that you can do, especially as we head to the end of this year, uh, to address uh, some of the challenges that uh, may be coming down the line in 23? Well, again, that's the $64,000 question. It depends. Uh, first, if you look to see hey, the first step to, to go through, I should say, is simply to see how far out of balance your portfolio might be. It turns out that if uh, you had, let's say, a 60-40 portfolio and that 40% was invested in intermediate government bonds, then it performed almost as poorly as the stock market, uh, such that your portfolio is probably not far out of out, out 
not that far out of balance right now, even though both have gone down. So you may not even have to rebalance at all. Now, if you have gone into long-term treasuries, they've lost about 10 percentage points more than the stock market, which is so unusual. You haven't seen that much in U.S. history. And because of that, if you really were going to rebalance this year, which you still have to struggle with whether that's the right thing to do, but if you do, you're going to be buying more bonds and selling a little bit of your stock uh, holdings in order to do that. And that just seems so counterintuitive to many people, because if rates are going to continue higher, then long-term bonds are probably going to lose a lot more. But that's nonetheless, if you're going to be a mechanical rebalancer at the end of every year and you're in U.S. long-term treasuries, that's what it calls for us to do. Now, do you necessarily have to rebalance at the end of the year, depending on your particular situation or savings goals? Or is that something you should do all the time? Well, I don't think you should do it all the time. Um, and it, I guess part of the question, I'm afraid to, that I'm always putting all so many qualifications on my answers. But nonetheless, one of the things you have to determine is whether you're in a taxable portfolio or not. If you are in a 401k or some other tax deferred vehicle, then you're not going to create any uh, tax events, taxable events by doing your rebalancing. So that allows you to do it a little more often. But I think that if you go back and look through history, it turns out that only when you get way out of balance should you even worry about uh, rebalancing your portfolio. Because otherwise, I mean, I think right now I looked at if you had a 60-40 portfolio at the beginning of the year and you were in intermediate term government bonds, you're at like 61 percent stocks and you know, 39% bonds right now, that's not even big enough of a of a divergence from your target weights to make it even worth your while. I wouldn't even bother. And so what I would suggest is that put in a threshold. Let's say it has to get more than five percentage points away from your target weight, and then you might worry about it. But uh, most of the time, I think you don't really have to, to sweat it out that much. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, to look at how AI technology is being deployed to the fast food drive through Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. At 1220, artificial intelligence may make ordering food at the drive through faster and more accurate. Joining us now with the latest is Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Izzy, thanks for joining us today. Uh, one observer noted that the drive through is the one place that so far uh, technology has left it behind. People order from a fast food restaurant in 2022, much in the same way they did in 1972. And how will AI change that experience? Well, it definitely is that one area that hasn't changed. And uh, one of the things that's been happening in the last year is that order accuracy has fallen again, meaning that uh, accuracy used to be about 87% a couple years ago. It's dropped uh, down even further. Um, and uh, uh, that means that uh, you, you don't get what you wanted originally. The other big thing, Rob, is that uh, compared to a year ago, drive through is taking another minute longer uh, to get through. So if you see, you know, five or 10 cars in front of you and you have the average wait time, add another 10 minutes. So uh, AI, it's it's time to uh, really uh, change the system that's out there. And how will the, one, artificial intelligence take your order, and two, is there going to be an improvement in drive through microphone quality that will make the AI uh, give it the ability to accurately process what you're telling it? 
Yeah, there. You know, everybody: McDonald's, Burger King. Uh, you, you name the fast food company, everybody is starting to test AI. And uh, one company says that you know they've done a test over the last year, and the AI accuracy uh, is ninety-seven percent. You know, way ahead of the accuracy of uh, you know an individual taking the order. And and part of the reason that that it's taking so much longer. Uh, to get your food is, you know, during COVID, everybody cut back on their menus. So they had a smaller menu, you got through faster, but now the regular menus are up and running. Unfortunately, uh, we're doing things the same old way and getting worse results. At at the moment, it seems like uh, artificial intelligence is a way for uh, fast food restaurants and other restaurants to uh, manage the great resignation. They're having a hard time finding new employees, and so uh, automation or AI is stepping in to uh, fill in for the human employees who uh, basically, you know, they just can't attract or retain. Um, Is this simply another case of AI enhancing the human workforce and not replacing it? Well, you know, I have this conversation with people all the time when I tell them about restaurants and, you know, I'm sorry, about robots and AI, uh, you know, taking positions in restaurants. And they say, well, you're taking jobs away from people. And and that's just not the case. Nobody is coming for these jobs. So uh, by the time, you know, people say, gee, a year, two years, three years down the road, I'd really like a job. Those jobs are no no longer going to be available because AI will have filled them. And if, by the way, you you are hosting a webinar on AI in the quick service restaurant space Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. So if you want to check it out, we can shoot you an email, Izzy, at Izzy, I-Z-Z-Y, at hospitalityworks.com. Still ahead, the espresso martini has replaced the Manhattan as this year's must-order cocktail. And at 1249, we'll have a visit with our Monday afternoon stock picker. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Supreme Court case on the clash between religion and gay rights is raising some big picture questions today. One of the country's biggest car rental companies involved in a massive legal settlement. The Noon Business Hour continues. We'll take a look at the most festive holiday cocktails and at Stock Picker Monday, find out what our expert suggests. WBBM Business. The markets are lower. The Dow is down 431 points. The Nasdaq is down 194. The S&P 500 is down 65. We have 38 degrees right now at O'Hare under partly sunny skies going up to a mostly cloudy 44. It's 1231. And topping our news at the half hour, the Supreme Court is hearing the case today of a Christian graphic artist who objects to designing wedding websites for gay couples. It's the latest clash of religion and gay rights to reach the high court. 
The lawyer for a man from Colorado who objects to designing wedding websites for gay couples told the court the law shouldn't make him, but two of the liberal justices on the court retorted that if he's allowed to discriminate in this way, what about someone who says their religion forbids them to serve African Americans or Muslims or anyone else? Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson asks whether a mall photography store could then refuse to take pictures of black people on Santa's lap. Their policy is that only white children can be photographed with Santa in this way because that's how they view uh, the scenes with Santa that they're trying to depict. Colorado designer Lori Smith and her supporters say the ruling against her would force artists to do work that is against their faith. A legal settlement involving hundreds of lawsuits against a familiar name in car rentals. The details from CBS News correspondent Jim Crisula. Hertz says it will pay nearly $170 million to settle most of the 364 pending lawsuits it faces from customers who were wrongly accused of stealing cars they had rented. The company blamed the issue on a computer software Hertz filed for bankruptcy protection in 2020 as it struggled under heavy debt and a huge drop in business because of the pandemic. Hertz also owns the Dollar and Thrifty car rental brands. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Stocks are starting the week lower. Uh, Joining us now with the latest in what's moving Wall Street on the noon business hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. We're joined by Gary Kultbaum, president of Kultbaum Capital Management based in Orlando, Florida. The website GaryK.com. Gary, thanks for joining us today. And it seems like every week the vibes change with reference to the Federal Reserve and the pace of interest rate hikes going in the 2023. Last week, we had an era of good feeling, but now this week, the the anxiety is back. Everyone's nervous. It's quite interesting how you're up 400. It's because the Fed's going to do the right thing. Oh, you're down 400. Uh Uh-oh, is the Fed going to do the wrong thing? Uh, For me... When all is said and done, it'll be the direction of interest rates. Uh, And we're talking main trend, not just the Fed, but also earnings and the economy. And I can tell you that I've been okay with the market off the lows. I called a bottom on October 13th. I'm getting really worried right here. Uh, I I have a good ear to the ground. I don't think earnings are going to be good going forward. I'm worried about valuations. And then I watch the market very closely. And the main area that's been leading up off this recent low is financials. And I can tell you a bunch of them are really starting to break down right now. And if that's the case and other things follow, that means we're going to hit the wall. And that's the end of this little uh, nascent rally that started mid-October. And then when we're talking about uh, kind of in, it, it's not only it's not the sixty four thousand dollar question or the sixty four million dollar question. It could be a billion dollar question or a trillion dollar question. And that is if you're the Fed and you're trying to uh, determine when is the best time to slow down or go to 50 basis points or hold it for where we're at for a little while is you know you're starting to see these indications that things are starting to slow down and yeah the there's wage pressures and the employment the job market is still very tight but as you said things could deteriorate quickly yeah and they've telegraphed already uh, they're very good at that because they don't uh, stop talking uh, that the next move will be a half point which is less than three quarters but it's still going to be another half point. And when you have an economy where, and anybody can just pull up these charts on Google, savings rates are plunging, 
credit card usage is skyrocketing, and more and more people, unfortunately, are getting canned from their jobs in certain areas, crypto, mortgages, uh, a big time in technology. If that continues and worsens, nothing good's going to come of it because the consumer drives 70% of the economy plus. You lose jobs. You don't have enough money using too much credit card. That is a what I would consider a toxic cocktail uh, for the economy going into 23. Uh, and that's where the Fed's going to have to unfor- you know, put it this way. The Fed usually is late in the game both ways. And I'm sure they'll be late in the game again and probably screw up again, unfortunately. And there is the school of thought that just says, you know, just drive right into the recession. Just drive the car into the ditch. That's the only way you can uh, break the back of inflation. Because the term soft landing, it's still out there, but nobody's really talking about it as a plausible scenario anymore. Well, first off, I've completely disagreed with all of them that in order to cure inflation, you got to screw the economy and you got to get people losing jobs and you need the market going down. I'm in complete disagreement. In order to cure inflation, you need to get out of the way. The Fed printed $9 trillion, got Europe to do a ton also, Japan, China the same. That's what caused a lot of it. If they just back away, leave be, the markets and the economy will get back to a norm. The problem is they just keep interfering, not only with their moves, but they're, with their words, which be, basically is 24-7 uh, each day, and I just wish they would take one big giant vacation. I'd pay for it, uh, but uh, that's not going to be in the cards. Uh, hopefully the 200 million people that go to work every day uh, continue to work their tails off to do better for their families and themselves, and that'll keep the economy in good stead. Gary Kulpbaum, president of Kulpbaum Capital Management, based in Orlando. Check out his website, GaryK.com. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, a look at the rise of the espresso martini, and then a visit with our Monday afternoon stock picker. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The 2022 Cocktail of the Year goes to the espresso martini. I bet you didn't know that. So joining us now to discuss uh, that trend and the methodology is Carly Katz, owner of Bottles and Cans, based in Chicago. Carly, thanks for joining us today. Who crowned uh, who who crowned the espresso martini as the <laughs> cocktail of the year? I have no idea, but we keep seeing it. it keeps showing up. We keep getting questions about it. Uh, the assumption is always that some. High-end mixologists started doing these things and then decided, this is it. This is the one we're doing this year. And so we just keep seeing it. And it sounds like uh, it knocked off uh, my go-to uh, cocktail when the, uh, when, when, when the when the time is right, the good old-fashioned uh, classic Manhattan, a little bit of bourbon, a little bit of vermouth, a little bit of bitters, mm. and you're off to the races. Uh, an yeah. espresso martini seems in- a lot more complicated. It's still kind of like light on the ingredients, depending on like what you want to do with it. A lot of places are doing like a um, like a toasted marshmallow also goes into it as well so that you're getting kind of that sugary sweetness along with that espresso. A lot of like new liqueurs are also doing kind of like mixing with the espresso and with the chocolate. And again, kind of creating that like all over kind of warming, decadent type of a drink. Um, there's walnut liqueurs now if you want to add like a little bit of like roasty nuttiness to it there's a lot of different variations that you can that you can do with these Um, a lot of people are adding like cream like the the buffalo trace bourbon cream adding a splash of that in there kind of gives you a little bit more of a softness vanilla vanilla note to it 
there's there's a lot of different things you can do for these. And, and you know, cut like 15 or 16 years ago, the Manhattan, the old fashioned, a lot of whiskey based cocktails uh, made a comeback. And I suspect yeah. the TV show Mad Men uh, played a part in that uh, 1960s <laughs> yes. cocktail revival. And the thing that blew my mind is that the espresso martini is a bit of 1990s retro flair. And I'm having a hard time using the words 1990s and retro yeah. in the same sentence because it seems like it was just yesterday. Yeah, agreed. Well, I wasn't I wasn't 21 yet in the 90s, so in the early 90s. But you know, in case that hurts you a little, um, but yeah, it's it's. But all these things kind of ebb and flow. It's it's trends in alcohol are exactly the same as trends in fashion, uh, trends in foods, all that stuff. I mean, granted, I still believe that the old fashioned and the Manhattan they are still king. Uh, people typically go in and like to order those. Most people know what goes into them. Most people enjoy them, even if you're a whiskey lover or not. Um, but seeing kind of this new iteration of being able to tag on an espresso martini also just gives other options for everybody. And then very quickly, Carly, uh, we are in uh, prime gift-giving season, and uh, people yeah. do want to give the gift of, uh, mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of a, a bottle of something special, whether it's wine, yeah. whether it's a spirit of some sort. Uh, what are the big sellers come Christmas time? So for, for us, our wine advent calendar, um, we, we just started doing this guy. It comes in this amazingly cute box, uh, so also no wrapping involved. But it's, it's a good gift for people you know and know what they love, and it's a good gift for people that you don't know and don't know what they love. Um, it makes it just very well-rounded as far as, like, here, I got this for you. This is very nice. You can enjoy it on your own time or share with your friends. We also see a lot of like different kind of like glassware going out. Um, a lot of those things come in brewery glasses, um, teaming that up with like a four pack of, of something. Um, there's also this wonderful little company uh, here in Chicago called Aged and Infused. They do these super cool like pre-made cocktails that you add your spirit in and you allow it to kind of meld over a couple of days, and then you have this, like, delicious, well-cultivated little cocktail that you make in your home. Carly it's Katz. very cool. Carly Katz, owner of Bottles and Cans, based in Chicago, two locations in North Center on Lincoln Avenue and in the Edgebrook neighborhood. Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday, and still to come, a pair of investment ideas from a money pro. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Welcome in Julius D. Campinar, Senior Analyst with StockCharts.com, based in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Julius, thanks for joining us today. Before we do our uh, stocks for the day, uh, how are you guys feeling over in uh, Amsterdam? Still savoring that win over the U.S. and the World Cup on Saturday? We are. We're still dressed up in orange and, you know, counting our blessings that we made it all the way through. Well, you know what? If 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 you lose, you always want to lose to the team that goes and wins the whole thing. So we're, we're rooting from the ne- for the Netherlands <laughs> from now on. Go go go! Win the whole thing. Uh, so you got two. Uh, you got two selections today. Uh, one from the uh, material space, and uh, what is that company? Yeah, I I take a top-down approach most of the time, and I've identified two sectors that are doing really well. And indeed, one comes from the material space, and the stock that I picked there is APD, Air Products and Chemicals, and that's a stock that is. Uh, doing relatively well against the material sector index, and that sector index is already doing well against the S&P 500. 
So we're looking for the best of the best here. And if you look at the chart of APD, then you can see that it's actually breaking to new highs. It's taking out the, the major highs that were formed in 2020 and 2021. And that usually is a very good sign for us technical analysts. That means that there is no major overhead selling, historical selling um, available. So there's a, a lot of good side upside potential with a good downside protection at that breakout level, which is around 310, 35, 310. That's the, uh, the, the area where I would put my stop losses for now. But upside looks very, very good. Air products and chemicals, the uh, symbol APD. Let's move on to the industrial sector and a name that's very familiar to Chicagoans, even though uh, they're moving across the country. That's true. And that is Boeing, BA. And it's a little bit of the opposite of APD because Boeing has come down from a uh, high above 280 to 90 back in the early uh, months of 2021. And it, it's almost it's more than halved, going back to 120 US dollars, and that happened in May, June of this year, and then most recently in October. And what's happening over the last few weeks is that BA is now taking out the last major peak in between those lows, and that was around 175. That makes a a completed double bottom at the end of a downtrend, and that's usually a good sign for a turnaround. And that's what we're seeing here. So for BA, the upside could go all the way back up to the low, to the highs of uh, 2021, which is, let's say, around the 275 to 80 area with downside protection around 170, 175. Good risk reward here as well. Julius de Kempenaar, senior analyst, StockCharts.com, based in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Thanks for joining us this afternoon, or for you this evening. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com. And once again, Julius's selections on this Stock Picker Monday, Air Products and Chemicals, the stock ticker, ticker symbol is APD, and Boeing, BA. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.